don't be restricted to the kitchen with what you can do with flat packs. So we've had a lot of fun designing uh, custom storage solutions using kitchen components. So one project, we wanted to create a window seat in a bedroom. So what we did was put a wardrobe either side of the window and then in between it, we had kitchen units, the over the fridge units with drawers in them and a seat on top to create a window seat and it worked beautifully. So you're limited only by your imagination. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, it's Bernadette Jansen. And before we get into this episode, I need to remind you that the information in this podcast is general in nature and opinion only. It should not be taken as personal advice. There are significant risks with buying and renovating property and you should maximize your profit potential and minimize your risk by seeking independent advice that relates to your personal circumstances through your own financial planner, accountant and any other professionals that you are working with. The examples in this podcast are for illustrative purposes only. Well, hello, it's Bernadette Jansen, and today I'm going to be talking about how to install a flat pack kitchen so it doesn't look like a flat pack. We love flat pack kitchens, and the main reason we love them is because they are incredibly fast. So you can head into the store in the morning, order your kitchen, take it home, and get installing in the afternoon and have it finished within a day or so. So they are incredibly fast. However, a kitchen is a one in 20 year investment. You want to make sure that the kitchen you're installing is going to last the 20 years. Sometimes that's about the product, but often it's about the installation. And we're going to be covering in this episode, 10 of the tips and strategies that we use in order to get a quality installation. Now, some people say that you shouldn't put a flat pack kitchen in a high value property. Now, I would argue that if you have a quality installation, I think you can put a flat pack kitchen in almost any property. But of course, you know, it all boils down to how you execute. So today I have got 10 tips for installing a flat pack kitchen things that we observe when we're going down this path to make sure that we do get a quality outcome and it doesn't look like a flat pack. It looks like a custom built kitchen. So the first one is the type of kitchen that you choose. So obviously there's significant variation between the companies. So you want to make sure that you're going for something that is good quality and you're not just limited to Ikea and Caboodle and, you know, the flat pack companies. There are lots of companies now who are importing units from China. So incidentally, almost all flat packs come from China now. And some of them are great products. They've got great thick backs. They've got um, some great modules for using and they really are a quality product. 
So have a look around before you make the decision to buy your kitchen and make sure you're getting the most appropriate product for your project. I've used IKEA on many occasions. I've found the result has been quite good, but the process has been quite painful. I feel that when I order an IKEA kitchen, I'm committing myself to a a lot of trips backwards and forwards to fix the mistakes in the order. I've put a lot of, well, not a lot, but quite a few sort of hybrid type flat pack kitchens in. And on my current project, I'm putting my first ever uh, Bunnings or Caboodle kitchen. I've always avoided Bunnings kitchens for some reason, but they have a profile that works for our current project. So I'll be able to report on that later when it's done. I'm actually going up Tuesday of this week to get that ball rolling. Okay, so my second point, which I've alluded to, is that the quality of the installation is paramount. Now, please don't use a general builder to install your flat pack kitchen unless that builder has extensive experience in flat packs. I have found that builders generally have an attitude problem to flat packs. They think they're rubbish and so they treat them as such and do not take the time to optimize the features of the kitchen. So the first flat pack I ever installed was a an IKEA kitchen. I had the builder actually install it. He clearly was not impressed and he first thing he did, well in the very first day, he took to one of those big cover panels, end panels, with a saw to cut it up for some reason, I don't know why, and basically wrote off a panel that cost me over $300 to replace. So that was the outcome of using someone that is just not experienced in it. We got the kitchen in in the end, but never again, because it just, the quality, it was really hard to manage because of his attitude to it. So get someone, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a builder. It's someone who's put in a lot of flat pack kitchens and do your due diligence on them. Have a look at their work and make sure that it's up to scratch. It doesn't cost any more to get a quality installation. So most of the installers charge about the same price but you just want to make sure that they have sufficient experience to be able to do the job and do it well. So my next point is also around quality, is that it's really around how they deal with the detail. So things like gaps. So a custom-made kitchen will be made to suit the, the dimensions of the room, so it's made exactly, whereas the flat pack is made up of modules and so that you need to make those modules work in your space. So how those gaps work really makes a difference to the look. So if you're ending up with great big cover panels over gaps, that's going to be a negative. So really working through how those modules will work in the space will make a difference. So rather than ending up with a great big gap one end, you might centre your cabinet so that you split the gap. The second thing is um, all the drawers and cupboard doors are adjustable. So you need someone who's going to take the time to adjust them so that they are centred in the module and so that they work well. Okay. If you end up with uneven gaps around your doors and drawers, it will look crappy. 
The other thing is that there are a lot of small pieces as in cover plates for hinges and over screw holes. You want to make sure that they're all used, okay? So if you open the cupboard doors and there, there's gaping holes that haven't had their cover plates put on, then make, bring your installer back and make sure that they do the job properly because that will make a difference. It will make their job look amateurish if those components are left off. Uh, my next point is that flat packs are really versatile. And so, you know, if you need a cabinet for a space, they, your installer can actually cut it down. And I've done this quite a few times to get a more custom look. So in one project, which I'll share the details of, this is a property that we sold for 1.25 million. We used a one of those hybrid type flat packs. So it was quite good quality. It had the good thick backs. And when the kitchen was going in, I looked at it and I thought, there's just a, not enough storage in this kitchen. We were putting in an island bench. So the island bench had 600 cabinets and had a 900 bench top over it. And so what I decided to do was double up the cabinetry. So I asked the company to double them up. So have uh, cabinets both sides and they put 600 mil cabinets both sides, which made the island bench 1.2 meters wide, which just really lost all the proportion. So what I did was I got them to cut the one side down to 400. So we had 600 one side and we had 400 on the other, 400 deep which meant that we had a one metre island bench, which was perfect for the space. And it also doubled up the storage. So it made a big difference. So that's one of the other beauties of flat pack. You can, I guess, be a bit creative with how you use the modules. So the other thing to be mindful of is do the modules come in standard sizes? And I can tell you, IKEA do not. They changed a couple of years ago. And then no longer the depth of the cabinet is deeper than a standard cabinetry. And this comes into play when you're ordering your bench tops. If you're not using IKEA bench tops, which I don't, then you will find that you just need to be mindful of that because, you know, if you're planning out a kitchen with standard modules, it won't work. The other thing is the depth of the kicker is not adjustable. So you're going to have to work with the depth. The last time I put an IKEA kitchen in, which was about a year ago, it had, I think the kicker was only about 80 mil, which is, you know, quite small. And, you know, like I like the kicker to line up with the bottom of the dishwasher so that it's a, you know, you've got a clean line all the way through. But couldn't do that because there was no adjustment in it or very little, I should say. Butler's sinks are very popular at the moment. But in terms of your cabinetry, if you're not using a company that does a butler's sink, so incidentally, IKEA do, then the cabinet is going to have to be modified to take the butler's sink. It's not that it can't be done, but you just need to be mindful of that. Don't think that you just buy a butler's sink and it'll slot into any sink module. It doesn't. So the next tip that I want to share with you is that make sure that you put bulkheads over your overhead cabinets. So what a bulkhead can either be in MDF or it can be in Giproc, and it basically closes up the space between the top of the overhead and the ceiling and it will have cornice around it if you've got cornices in that room. That's a very important piece of the kitchen installation 
to make it look finished and look like a quality job. Have, and also it's much easier to keep clean because you've not got a, a horizontal surface to for dust to collect on. So remember to put a bulkhead in that maybe that will probably be an extra job for a handyman or a carpenter, but well worth doing because it will really finish off the job. And my next point is how to deal with floating floors. So often we're using floating floors in kitchens a lot. And you want to make sure that you get a good finish in the kitchen. Now, I can't stand those beads that they use on floating floors around the edge of the room. So I'm sure you know the ones I mean. And I'll put an image in the show notes just to make sure. And so you don't want the floor company to put a bead along your kicker to finish off the floor. So what I suggest you do is when the kitchen goes in, get the installers to leave the kicker off so that the floor can go in under the cabinet, just slightly in under the cabinet. And then the kicker will be cut down so it can sit directly on top of the floating floor and you get a great finish and there is no need for any of those horrible beads. And my last tip is... Don't be restricted to the kitchen with what you can do with flat packs. So we've had a lot of fun designing uh, custom storage solutions using kitchen components. So one project, we wanted to create a window seat in a bedroom. So what we did was put a wardrobe either side of the window and then in between it, we had kitchen units, the over the fridge units, with drawers in them and a seat on top to create a window seat and it worked beautifully. So you're limited only by your imagination. So somewhere for getting ideas for those sorts of tips is by Googling IKEA hacks. You'll find lots of different ideas on how you can utilize the flat pack modules in lots of different ways. So that's probably all I've got for you today. Oh, one more point. So just on the logistics, don't forget to factor in the cost of the installation with your when you're planning out your kitchen. So generally speaking, the installation costs around about $100 per unit, um, including the filler pieces and kickers, etc. So make sure that you factor that in because... Often, you know, you think it's a cheap kitchen until you factor the cost of installing and you'll find that it's not quite so cheap and that may sway your decision to go flat pack or not. I'd love to know if you've got any great tips for flat pack. So if you do, um, love to hear about them and maybe I can share them on the podcast and give you a shout out. But in the meantime, I would be very grateful if you would go over to iTunes and leave a review that helps our podcast to share the love and gain new listeners. And so if you are getting great value out of this podcast, I'd really love it if you would do that for us, please. Sorry about the banging and crashing in the background, but guess what? We're renovating and the show must go on. So thanks for listening today and I'll see you next week. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.